Hi beautiful soul, this is Claire and the Art of Life podcast and this is the Secret Pregnancy series which I am recording, this is the day after Christmas on 2022, midwinter, um, it's just after my own celebration of 50 years since my own conception and I am in month four of gestation and as I talked about in the first podcast I probably won't be publishing these podcasts to any sort of an audience until um, possibly even until the child is in the world and not inside of me um, there's so much to say about the context in which um, bringing new life into the world and yeah, a lot of it might sound very foreign to the average mind which is conditioned to presume the obligation and necessity of contraction um, meaning the woman actually talking about birth contractions but that being a metaphor for women stepping out of their power and into bondage with a system that, that really begins negatively impacting on their birth and on the life of the child, the health of the child, the spirit of the child, literally at the point at which we do a pregnancy test. Um, and I, I want to speak really, the, the purpose of these podcasts is as much for my self-expression and need to speak out what is expressing itself through me and also the want to bridge what it is to be sovereign and under natural law under the highest law that is cosmic law universal law law on Gaia Sophia as aligned with nature and the symbiosis the sacred geometry of our potential interbeing with nature and each other. Um, if you've come to this podcast, you probably have an inkling that the structures and in inverted commas, authorities that presume power over us um, are not the most trustworthy and you're probably at least part way along the path in expanding out of the box that's been given you and expanding out of the choices that, that seem to be laid in front of you in a consumerist paradigm. And I want to speak to what my actual experiences in words and in in, as I've been doing in paintings for many, many years um, and in podcasts for a lot of years, but I want to speak about the very mystical experience of gestating and coming into motherhood in the spiritual way that it, it, it was intended by God, in the spiritual way that it's intended by the universe and how, no matter what our age, I am essentially have been in the world um, beyond my zygote, my zinc spark, my conception, I've been in the world for 50 years. 
And without referring to what the the psychosis and the self-fulfilling prophecy interference in the natural right birth process is and the right gestation process is, I just want to speak a little to my own um, shedding of skins of neuroses around feeling vulnerable as someone being very, very different and <clears throat> vulnerable in the sense that I, I know what to expect. I know the kinds of things that people already say to me because I dress differently, because I live differently, because I live naturally, because I just rode out a very, very aggressive lockdown and mandates and interference in the breath and so on. In the last few years, I, I rode through it on a sovereign boat in my own living body under my own breath and without compromising or covering up my breath or being pulled into the controversies. I did go through a period of being very railing against it and, and having arguments and passionately expressing all that I knew, but I, I very quickly learned that folk are much happier to um, elect or vote by proxy, let's say. They're much happier for somebody else to think and mandate and direct their relationship with their health, um, especially when it comes to the collective health. Um, and without going into the, <laughs> the extreme problems of that, I just want to talk about my own experience of, of what it is to reclaim to actually stand in truth, to stand in the present moment, to stand in the body, to be in the body, to actually inhabit the body, to actually live in this body and know what is right and to be in mastery of what is more right, which again, um, most of the time we think in terms of right or wrong. And that's a very constructed, very manipulated way of thinking, the black and white, the yes or no, the good or bad, the, the good or evil even. It's a very um, <clears throat> it's a very manipulated state of being which is profited from that without that manipulation, the body naturally and the mind and the spirit naturally settle into symbiosis with reality. And as a woman, that's like for me, the only reality and it's the only right way. Um, and just I've got a lot of thoughts coming through my mind as I try and sort of bridge this, like explain what it is, like how it works. Um, we all know about coincidences, synchrony, spirit. We all have some idea about spirit moving through things and through us and moments in which we felt this incredible sense of oneness with the world. And then we go back to our life. You know, we might have been in a spiritual workshop or a yoga retreat or a silent retreat or whatever it is, but then we go back into life and it's hard to correct the relationships that we have with the, the authorities and systems and structures around us. And my life purpose has been to do precisely the latter, 
to correct the relationships and to return to what I know belongs to me, which is my life, my vitality, my attention, my attention, my capacity to manifest, my feminine capacity to attract what I need to me and to manifest my creative power in the world through my hands, through my feet, through my body, through my yoni, and in particular, the my journey into motherhood has been one that has had many, many um, deviations and <clears throat> I have succumbed to some very harsh interventions in my life in through gynecology, through partners not supporting me, through having conceived, but the the world not being aligned up around me. Um, I want to speak to how when the world is lined up around you, and it's because we're lined up inside ourselves, um, there is no lining the world up around us. There is no putting the house in order until our internal house is in order. And I'm not saying that to like put loads of work on somebody and make somebody feel bad, anybody feel bad. I'm doing that because that is the natural order of things. It's the natural hierarchy of things. And we can get really stuck in trying to put things correct in correct order around us in the right shape. For example, I, I have obsessed for decades around business and feminine business and feminine intuitive business structures and lining my business up with my yoni and my womb. And I found that it's it's failed at every turn, failed at every phase. Failed. It's I've always had a presence and I've had the core support, but it's never been welcomed into the world. And it's mostly been, well, quite honestly, violently rejected by the world because the world is projecting onto what I am and onto what my work represents because it comes from directly from me and from what I am. And as such, um, I've basically, you know, been butting my head against the gate of the field that I've been kept in for a long time until I started to really let go of that and, and actually like let go completely of business, branding, identity, um, conventional means of identifying until I did this deep dive research like a lot of people in the world in the last few years and found that there's a whole consciousness waking up into how our true identity has been manipulated and put onto paper and constructed into a straw man effectively. I mean, this is a, again, it's a controversial subject. I'm not gonna go into that here. But what I am gonna try and explain is, is how it feels to be outside of that, like to not be in the controversy, to neither be stuck in it without knowing what it is, nor to be outside of it, looking back at it and thinking that I'm free, but I'm talking about being in a completely different dimension and legislation and lawfulness and nature than that. And I, I really want to stress that now I've had so many issues with money in my life, so many issues with money just arriving unexpectedly, but never having any, any control over it. And that's something that has, to me, I've taken it apart, all the psychological layers, 
all the facts of growing up in poverty, all the poverty consciousness of my parents and step parents and community and culture and my oppressed Scottish identity um, being anglified over the decades and the language being suppressed, the traditional languages being suppressed, the traditional economies being suppressed, etc, etc. Um, the place where I grew up, which as a child I was getting glimpses of the old culture, glimpses of the old deep rootedness in nature culture, even glimpses of the sacred feminine and whispers of the tongue, little notes and tattered storybooks read to me by neighbours. But then it just disappeared. It all disappeared because in waves and waves and waves of my my parents' anglification and city ways, there was just this impending punishment for being wild, punishment for thinking differently, punishment for being natural. The um kind of ejected me off the island and it ejected me out of every other place that I ever stayed in. Um, and now um, finally recognising that I'm tired of being ejected and rejected and um, having the collective prejudice rail against me for my very essence, my very femininity, my very power. I'm now at the point where in recent years, I, I finally faced the demons and faced the, the supposed power of that and dismantled it myself. And that's a really important journey, I feel, that, that pregnancy, inver in inverted commas, not really the word, the word that I'm using for my gestation, but pregnancy, use, to use a conventional term to ground this in what people can relate to, is absolutely... Um, tying up all the loose ends energetically, tying up all the, um, you know, ripping off the last of the skins that were peeling away, that were stopping me from seeing my true nature, that were culturally imposed, that were um, put on as a weight rather than as a something to protect me from the environment. And, uh, yeah, like talking about... Um, when I first had the sense that I was conceiving, as I spoke about in part one of this series, I was joyful and in trepidation. I was ecstatic and terrified because I was still straddling these worlds, still straddling more than one world rather than living in the right, lining up the right symbiosis, the right synchrony of the natural hierarchy in which we move our attention through multiple levels and come into contact with lots of different realities and are able to navigate them effortlessly, not without, not easily. There's such a big difference between ease and effortlessness. But, you know, we don't, we don't live without sweat, blood and tears. And yet the sweat, blood and tears can be deeply meaning, meaningful and even euphoric and even the deepest pain, the widest pain, the most 
the things that we've been led to believe, and I mean led, um, that we've been indoctrinated and brainwashed to believe are solid um, descending trajectories that we've, we're stuck on, like disease, dis-ease in our body, being given labels and names and specifically given labels and names that mean that we are then completely powerless against them. The, the other direction, <laughs> um, the right direction is out of that and is into, recognize that, into recognizing the body's self-healing capacity as absolute, like it, it is an absolute law of nature that the body can and will heal itself if we stop thinking it can't, if we remove, remove ourselves from toxic influences on multiple levels, and if we comprehend what our true nature is, which is not just self-healing, but it is divine in nature, it's divine, co-creative, and universal, we're part of the universe, we're not separate satellites floating around the universe, we are rooted in the identity of this planet, we're rooted into the consciousness of this planet. We're as important as the precipitation, the rain, and the mushroom spores, and the whale song, and we belong here right now in this physical lifetime, just as much as we belong in the whole universe, and the whole universe belongs to us in the sense that we're intimately one with it. We're not rejected from something, we're not rejected from the Garden of Eden, we're living inside the Garden of Eden, but we've got noise-cancelling headphones on or something, and a hazmat suit and a mask, and we're not recognising where we are, and we're obsessing about keeping the mask on and obsessive about making sure the, the noise-cancelling noise is, is really loud so that we can't hear any of the subtle voices and the subtle sounds that are informing us and healing us and vibrating for us and with us. Um, we all know what it is to sit by a river and hear the sound of water flowing and we all know that that's relaxing, and yet we all expose ourselves to really high levels of interference, dissonance, disharmony, and on all the different levels have all of that as well. Like our breath is taking in things that are not just natural. So our mind is taking in imagery and things that are not naturally, wouldn't naturally occur and we wouldn't naturally get exposed to. Um, and we're able to be remain in a state of extreme overstimulation at pretty much all times of the day and night. Um, and again, I, I'm talking about that. It's very hard to talk about what what it isn't, <laughs> what that isn't, um, because we're not all in it. And I need to keep referencing all of that first before I can get to what it is to unravel the tension, unravel the contraction, unravel the bondage, unravel the not sovereignty. Anyway, when I first started feeling that I've conceived, um, first of all, there's trepidation because I know that I have conceived multiple, 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 multiple times. And then I've gone through a process where the process of loss and as I spoke about in the last podcast,
podcast in this series. I bled twice during this gestation at 58 days and then at around some other amount, 80 days or something. And I'm currently heading towards 100 days. But of course, my mind and my ego and my inferior ego and my and also my superior ego were boiling at those points when I bled, especially the first time I bled, when the you know, as when something happens in the body, I tend to go inside and refer to what have I read about this? What do I know about this? You know, what's the truth about this? Um, rather than reaching out into the world and asking, necessarily asking a question. But of course, my previous research in my life on whether or not women bleed during their during menstruation and what it means and, you know, what is the meaning of it, of course... I have the programming that is the mainstream lie and limitation about that, the polemic thinking, which is the, the baby is aborting, the baby is miscarrying, and, and or there is a problem that needs our intervention, the conventional intervention. Whereas what I, I felt putting together all the experience I've had, all the research I've done, literally since my teens, on natural birth and on the mystical aspects through observing and feeling and knowing being embodied in my own cervix, womb, menstruation, I absolutely know that it's not only possible, but it is a superpower to bleed during one's pregnancy um, when there is consciousness behind it and when one is listening and feeling what is releasing, one is fully conscious of what is releasing and just as I knew in my whole being that this is the time that I am going to gestate fully, just as I knew that, even though I'd felt that and thought that before, I knew it in a, with a fullness, not just of my own thinking in my mind, my own emotion in my body, but how everything is lined up with everything else. And again, this is a hard thing to explain to folks who are, and I'm not saying this is you, I'm just saying it's a hard thing to explain and what I'm trying to um, transmute, what I'm trying to express and transmute and transcribe here um, really doesn't have words or language. And I'm aware that most folk think very compartmentalised and in particular around womb and yeah and in polemic in particular around womb and one of the first things that I recognized about my own detachment was the tangible embodied joy and knowing and security and feeling of trust in myself on the one hand but the thread of interference that was oh, but this is a problem, you're bleeding. Oh, but this is, uh, it's not possible to bleed. You know, the, the, the deeply ingrained, repetitive indoctrination that comes through culture, that comes through doctors, that comes through individuals and comes through the general psychosis around 
immediately being fearful of blood, being fearful of anything unusual, anything not following a certain trajectory, anything that isn't, I guess the term is like perfectly regular, like mechanized. You know, even if it was perfectly regular and mechanized, it still demands constant intervention. So it's not that I would have had a get out of jail card free if I uh, get out of jail free card. Sorry, (laughs) Italian construction or something in my head of sentences. Sometimes I get words the wrong way around. Um, It's not that I would have got that, you know, a free pass, but... um, the, the weight of conditioning, even though it's not lived conditions, conditioning, even though I don't make choices in my life around my health from that fear, nevertheless, the fear is something that it's not just a weight in my mind and my, my body, it's an interference, like it's stopping me from fully resting into the comfort and patience and beingness of just being pregnant, just being a woman growing life in her womb, just being the sacred vessel, just being the conduit for spirit to manifest. Um, And yeah, my first three months were filled with a lot of that stuff. And the bleeding, which happened twice, firstly was very anguishing. And as I brought consciousness into that, actually, I knew I was still pregnant. And I was still went through the process of listening to other women's podcasts around pregnancy and birth and, you know, talking to friends who have birthed and gestated and recognizing that almost all the friends that I've spoken to, I've only spoken to a handful of friends, but all of them were absolutely clear that you do bleed during pregnancy and that's all there is to it. And, you know, even that, like that, talking to other women first as the authority, because women are the authors of their own story, even women who've been through really harsh interference in their birth and who believe that that was necessary, even women who are part of that paradigm and who have played in that paradigm, played their part in that paradigm, the fact that I'm going to them and hearing their story and it's different experience than mine, but it is the same because it is a woman expressing herself and me giving her space to express her voice, that act, that the creation of that womb space between us is powerfully healing. And it's not that I need to hear from her it is okay to bleed during pregnancy, although I am hearing that from her and from the other women I've spoken to. But the important thing is that we're not affirming the opposite. We're not saying, oh no, you must, it's dangerous or it's bad or you're miscarrying. You know, that the important thing was we were. I was filling my mind and filling my consciousness and my immediate field in that moment, not with repetitions of the mantra which is a self-fulfilling mantra self-fulfilling prophecy I am miscarrying I am miscarrying I am miscarrying my body isn't strong enough my body isn't strong enough my body isn't strong enough instead of talking about that and getting into the death cult of interference and the death cult of going to an external authority and giving our power away um, the reclaiming of that power and the like sitting and weaving together, sitting and sewing together, sitting and sewing our identity back together is incredibly, like, that is the medicine, that is the homeopathic coming back to wholeness. 
just talking to other women that's all just talking to other women and I think part of the issue about why I was so nervous when I first bled too it was a huge anger against the system telling me that I shouldn't be bleeding that it's dangerous and that you you must go to the hospital immediately um it was the fact that I couldn't say to the woman that I was with at the time of my, my partner's mother I couldn't say to her because I knew that she would be bring her controversy into it and she has a lot of issues around body, fear, contraction, and so on. <clears throat> and I knew that I couldn't talk to my women friends about it because there was this shame and the shame around wanting to be so pregnant so much and then having all of these things happening that every time it seemed to unravel. But the beauty of what was releasing in that moment was the menstruation was something that my body wanted to release. It was something that my body was ready to release. And I could feel what was releasing. What was releasing was the neuroses around feed of my own blood. Even though I have very little neuroses around that, I know the power of my own blood. But my specific, deeper, primal conditioning around blood being a negative indicator during this precious, delicate pregnancy as I felt it. Um, my first instinct and the look on my face when I looked in the bathroom mirror and caught, just happened to catch sight of myself and was like absolutely distraught. Like that expression was able to come out and release. It was able to come out and be let go of because I wasn't using it to navigate. <clears throat> I wasn't navigating from that. You know, I went home and rested. I cried. I let go. It was a very painful period. It was my whole pelvis and my back were, were sore and kind of, I don't know if inflamed is the right word, but kind of burning painful, um, but not really painful. And it wasn't really painful. It was more like a kind of a density of feeling, like something had been released at, from my cells and was moving and wanted to be eliminated, like wanted to be ejected even ejaculated <laughs> so because menstruation is one thing but like the ejection reflex of the body detoxifying is another thing and that's how I recognize the difference between that that this was painful but perfect it was the pain was attached to a load of feelings and thoughts and above that all was a higher authority that I was riding with that was me, that is me, that is I, <clears throat> and that that was facilitating all of this, that I wasn't a victim losing a baby. I knew that that's not what the story was, even if that was a strong thread that was kind of coming up from my stomach and down from my brain at the same time and, and causing me to cramp in my chest even and to get a headache and to feel exhausted. You know, I, I just let that come as if it was almost a birth process. And I've been through various experiences like this before, both in gestation and losing and out of gestation and going through massive clearances to do with the, what's going on with the collective and fear of being <laughs> um, witch hunted and um, destroyed by the system or arrested for being natural or um yeah um 
not just thrown out of the clan, more, more than that, you know, not, not just ejected from the community, but actually the community rising up with the pitchforks, basically, and um, the, the process of unravelling that during this very specific time of these, you know, the fourth month that I'm in now, that first bleeding was very tangibly letting go of thinking and emotions. And then the second bleeding, similar pain, similar flow of blood. Um, the first bleeding start was for four days and then the second bleeding was two days when I finally, finally recognised that I was in my head and I wasn't in my womb. I was specifically overly stimulating my brain and I was under being, <laughs> under being in my womb. I was less being in my womb than I could have been. So bringing my attention down, you know, just my attention, nothing dramatic, no fancy visualizations, just feeling like, what does my womb feel like? What does my cervix feel like right now? And I recognize that, you know, the womb is like a, I don't know, I just imagine it's like a frightened kitten or a frightened baby animal that as soon as it feels the caress of attention, the caress of the mother, the caress, caress of that powerful mother energy, the very confident mother that picks up the frightened animal or the abandoned kitten or the whatever the, it's not the best metaphor, you know, the womb is not a kitten, that's for sure. <laughs> but the essence, the nature, the cat-like nature, the essence of cat is very much in the feminine energy. So you know, it's as good as it's as good a metaphor as we're going to get right now. But the important thing being that the the reaction of the womb to being comforted because it's not being abandoned, it's not being ignored. That is the most tangible thing I've ever known in my life. It's the most tangible thing that I've always referred to. I've always come down into my cervix since I've very first since I very first felt my cervix in my earlier, before my teens probably, you know, I felt it as a little tingle, a little, but not a tingle, a, a blissful tingle, but not a tingle because tingle, more like the, the ringing of a very, ringing of an invisible bell and that beautiful harmony um, that just bringing my attention down. When I did that, um, I'm quite practiced at bringing my attention into pain because I've had some really big dramatic health challenges in my life and each time I've thought I can't get through the pain of it and especially recently with all kinds of controversial issues that go on to do with the electricity supply in my house and the unlawful installation of a smart meter which I was vehemently against and it was put in without my permission or consent. Um, etc, etc, just an accumulation of all the tensions of the last years. There was a, a particular perfect storm that happened where my body was in unbearable pain and writhing in like super pain, ridiculous amounts of pain. And the point, again, at which the, that pain wasn't pain anymore was just the point of coming fully into the body. Like, 
there was a point where I couldn't even writhe anymore. The pain was so profound, so everywhere in my body that I had to simply lay back and let it take me. And I thought, well, I might be dying now because the pain is so severe and somebody suggested this about it and it might be that and it might be this. And um, I had to accept that. And in the acceptance of that, like in the acceptance of this second bleeding that I had during my gestation, the acceptance of, and again, I'm trying to just get really clear about what it is to settle down into the pain because we have such a resistance to that. And I know that the average person, the pain breaks them and they, they go for such and such a, a tablet or an authority external to them and, and ask for help. And the thing about going into the pain instead is that we get the treasure that is in that compaction, in that whatever has been densified that isn't expressing itself. And that's all, that's all the process involves is us going into it. It's such a simple, free, and free act. It's such a sovereign act. And it's not just, you know, a way of getting rid of pain. It's a, a way of being what the pain is hiding, what the pain is representing, which is usually just separation. The pain is drawing our attention. And if the pain is drawing our attention, then the, the greatest solution that I know is to give it our full attention. In the second bleeding, on day two of the second bleeding, um, when I gave my pelvis my full attention and stopped being in a rush to do this or finish a job or carrying something heavy or chop wood or whatever, when I just stopped, put the domestic alchemy on hold for a minute, lay down, got the hot water bottle out, lay down with it, got the herbal tea out, burned some sage, whatever, you know, got a big glass of water. As soon as I did that, there was no pain. And there was no bleeding. The bleeding just stopped in the middle of the day, just stopped. And that really, I really want to let that sink in for myself because I really know that this is intimately related to how we birth. It's related with how we eliminate pees, poos, ejaculate and menstrual blood. It's how we sweat and salivate and sneeze and cough when we're fully aligned with the body there's no need for the body to go to extremes to express itself or to release anything it will use one of the ways in which we have divine symbiotic capacity to express through like sweat or vomiting or um salivating a lot or peeing a lot or diarrhea it'll do whatever it needs to free up the body and if that means bleeding during pregnancy sure as <laughs> heaven sure as Gaia Sophia we absolutely can if we need to menstruate and bleed from the womb in the most healthy way the womb absolutely knows what to let go of and when to let go of it. And that's, again, just 
the absolute truth of this is that our body is always simply telling the truth. There is no lie in nature and there is no lie in the body. The body is only ever expressing what is true. And if the body is trying to express something and I'm reeling against it, I'm fighting against it, or I'm, I'm pulling that symptom, giving it a name and a label and attaching it to a whole stream of thoughts and studies and concepts and pharmaceutical lore. <laughs> if, if I do that, then obviously the body's going to speak louder. Obviously, the what I've labelled as a symptom is going to be more ardent in insistent in and essentially saying what needs to be said. The longer we don't listen, the longer. We refuse to bring our attention in, then the louder the voice will have to be that's calling us to attention, calling our attention. And um, yeah, part of the beauty of just eating naturally and not having any interference in any way, not having any surveillance measuring or defining externally but moving only with sensation and wisdom and letting the wisdom come through part of the the beauty of that is that the wisdom can come through <laughs> like there's space for the feminine on the horizontal to communicate with me the space for Gaia Sophia to speak through me and as such I can master my capacity to surrender to that, to be open to it, to flower into it. And having done that sort of <laughs> um, in a fairly haphazard and sometimes successfully, sometimes not so successfully way for the last three and a half months, um, I'm now gaining some sort of ease in it, certainly effortlessness. Um, and again, the effortlessness is kind of my capacity to move peacefully from one action to another, knowing that they're all right actions and that there's nothing that can sabotage that. There's nothing inside of me that can sabotage that because I've already decided what side of the, the road I'm going to be walking on, what side of the story, what side of the universe I'm going to be playing on. And I've already given my authority to the highest authority. I already am the highest authority. And there is no separation between me and the highest authority. And Again, that's, it's really hard to speak about that without somebody thinking. Without me thinking. <laughs> you know, there's so many ways in which we're, it's taboo to talk about our divine quality. You know, we're very efficiently 
bleached clean of our God-given right to be God, our God-given right to be nature, our God-given right to belong here, and you know the whole construct of church and separation and fear of the feminine, fear of the womb, fear of witches, like it's all based around keeping us beholden to an external force that we have to get taxed by, that we have to pay to, when everything is available to us free, <laughs> everything. Everything is available to us freely and in great, great abundance, without cost. Um, yeah, it is, a, it is a lot of work and it is a lot of transition to, to work through, but the being on the other side of that, it's a... Well, I don't know, I, I suppose in the conventional language we'd say it's a price worth paying, but of course it's not a price paid, it's simply what has to be done. It's simply the blood, sweat and tears and the, the effort, which isn't effort. Like effort is only effort when we're pushing against something that doesn't give and when we're excessively sweating, excessively bleeding, excessively crying. When we're lined up with the world, the tears are meaningful and purposeful and they go in the right direction. They're not blocked inside, they're not overly expressing themselves, they're just the tears that come when one needs to let go of an emotion. And be witnessed. And yeah that lack of separation from the world means that there can't be a polemic there naturally can't be a, a polemic so we we can't be in conflict with the world because we simply gravitate away from what isn't good for us and towards what is good what is good for us and that's an important distinction we're not pushing things that are bad for us away from us we're not um like wrestling with things that are bad such a distinction that we, when we, are simply moving always towards things that are good and better for us. That's all. And it, again, it doesn't mean that it, you know immunity is a real thing. Immunity to controversy is a very real thing. And at the same time, we're unlikely to get through our whole life without having some kind of controversial person cross our paths, arms flailing and eyes gyrating in their head and raising their voice at us. And that too is something that we have absolute power around how we react to, how we either exacerbate that wildness and that need to destroy another and that want to put another person down or whether we just simply disarm them by reminding them of our true nature and simply stating that thank you but no um, and I suppose that, like that's the that's the biggest challenge I've had in recent years having grown up in a, in a lot of chaos and you know a fair level of trauma and abuse and, and nastiness and dark energies and shame and addiction and ugh, all these horrible things that were, were so normal and prevalent in the 70s and 80s in rural Scotland Nevertheless, 
Um, and <laughs> also, um, you know, I, ha I haven't chosen to make that my my modus operandi. I, I've ch very significantly chosen to put that to the side and not have it be the engine that's that's moving me and the and the default and the, and so on and. It doesn't mean that I'm fantastic at, at being diplomatic or that I'm really good at resolving conflict or I'm, I'm great at talking an angry person to talking them to put the axe down. But it does mean that I have a certain, it doesn't mean that I'm completely immune to being affected by folk who want to, who have, who have an intention to aggress me or to trespass me. But it does mean I'm getting, and this is the thing that happens too in natural law, I'm getting progressively more into the mastery of dealing with the psychosis and not having it intrude upon me, dealing with the the tyrants and the little tyrants and the many, many, many tyrants and blocking their calls, cancelling their SMSs, their text messages and simply getting on with my day and getting back to the bliss, getting back to the taking care of my body, getting back to gestating, getting back to the beauty of knowing that the energy is free and I shouldn't be being charged for it and that the bliss is freely available and that the vitality is freely available and I shouldn't be involved in any paradigm, controversy, conversation, relationship, dialogue that is trying to pull me into the other. Um, a good example of this is... Um, Oh, I can't remember who I was talking to, talking to somebody who um, I've had a lot of conversations about birth over recent years and previous years and all my life. And one of the things that tends to happen when people, when I present my truth, the truth, the highest law that is about what orgasmic birth is, what natural birth is, what it's meant to be, and how fully, if a child comes into the world fully present, they have a completely different trajectory in their life. Folks like myself who came through a very um, distorted birth process, even though I, out of my siblings and even though we were in a hospital and my mum was very traumatised about in labour going on a fucking ferry and being taken up to a hospital in the city, not even the hospital that was closest to the ferry port, up to the fucking city in an ambulance and being really concerned because she'd had a very difficult first birth of my older brother. Even though all of that was going on, I was very blessed to come to come through her naturally and to symbiotically work with her, which is the education that a woman needs when she grows up, when she's come through birth naturally as a child, as a baby coming into the world. The, the only intervention my mum had was gas, just a bit of air for herself. There's still all the other stuff that goes on after the birth. Um, including the cutting of the cord too quickly. And that's an issue I've always had this um, points in my life where I've had panic attacks and this enormous tension in my throat and lungs where times where I felt I can't breathe, I can't get my first breath, I can't get a breath, or that the air isn't moving through my lungs. Um, 
I know that there was interference there. I know that those things primarily programmed the body to be separated. I know that my body separated when I was in my mid-teens, just around the time that my mum was deciding to move to Canada when I was 15 years old and needed my mum the most in my life. Um, as I was trying to come into adulthood and she left the country and left to go to the other side of the world. Um, yeah, there was a lot to, there was a lot to sink down into, like all the fears, all the terror, all the panic attack, all the trauma, all the primal inability to breathe, all the, the terror, like those things aren't necessarily, they're not locked away forever. They will express themselves in another form eventually, no matter what, how much we suppress all of our symptoms and all of our symptoms will relate eventually back down to those birth traumas and down to those interferences during birth, uh, during pregnancy and down to the state of our mother's mind and the separation of our mother's mind or the non-separation of it. And going through gestation myself, I, I can really feel like that is a lot of work that I'm doing and the spirit that is not separate from me yet is also doing. Um, I've had this very strong sense from the beginning that as much as, <clears throat> as much, <clears throat> excuse me, as much as I've dreamt over the years of babies, of having a baby, of breastfeeding, of taking care of a wee person, a wee child, a wee figure, much as I've had dreams of animals and metaphors and and being pregnant and so on, like dreams at night, I mean, night dreams. Um, I've never had a sense that the child is coming and I've always been reaching out for that sense because that's a, a lot of women talk about that, about this child coming to them in their waking dreams or in their sleeping dreams and stating something significant, like communicating verbally with them. But I think we all have a different, a unique visual language in the world and part of my own visual language is through acknowledging my own consciousness in the infinite field of oneness that came through the zygote, came through my own conception, I also sense that once we get away from the conceptual thinking around separation and around an object, the child being an object, and the name and the label of the child as an object, there is simply consciousness expressing through me and growing in me. And because I'm fully aligned with that and without any measuring or interference or external authority interweaving with that, because I'm allowing that to fully, giving it full space basically, The, the power of the, the healing of that is, is really extraordinary. The power, like the healing medicine of everything coming up through me, but also everything coming up through the, the beingness that is coming through me, the beingness of life incarnating from spirit, spirit incarnating in life. Not from spirit, but yes, from spirit, but still maintaining spirit, not spirit turning into material form. 
but spirit being spirit, whilst also being material form and the material form forming around spirit, as it were, forming in spirit, not separate from it. Not you know, there's not a little soul that's separate as a, like a little cloak that we wear. And as that forms and grows within me, I can feel that informing me and growing me. And and that's what I really want to get to in this series. That's what I really want to talk about because um, whatever the fables are, whatever the lore is, whatever the paradigm is, whatever is being handed to us, the aspects of it that are damaging to us and manipulating us in order to profit from us financially. Um, you know, I've been I've been removing myself from their influence for a long time, but I've been, you know, I I've never felt so lucidly right about that, about doing that and about being that that beingness that is not even referring to that that is not thinking about it, that is not considering it an option. Um, yeah, it's still, it's still a lot of uh, unravelling to be done, but I, I do feel increasingly trust, trusting in my own body and mind and spirit in my, my life path in my, yeah, in my vitality, just in my vitality, my absolute vitality, which is mine, like fully belongs to me. I don't have to give my vitality. I don't have to give my blood away. I don't have to let someone peek inside my womb. I certainly don't want EMFs and scannings of my belly with this spirit. It's not going to show me an image of my spirit that is coming through me. It's not going to show me an image of spirit coming into material form it's going to show me the separation of material object this object called a fetus called a child which is going to appear on a little screen and make make me feel more secure about it that's frankly to me that is fucked up and it doesn't matter that it's great and normalized for other women it doesn't matter that some folk really want a 3d image of their full baby before the baby comes out and be is revealed in the natural way in the natural timing it doesn't matter about any of that. The, what I'm experiencing is my experiencing and it's as valid as any woman's experience. You know, it's it's perfectly valid that women give their power away. But at the same time, and at the same time, a lot of, no, all of giving our power away, any aspect of giving our power away means that we will be suffering because we are so vulnerable without our power. And it's something that shouldn't happen. We shouldn't be giving our power. We never need our power more than when we're birthing. We never need our power more than when we're gestating. We never need our power more than when we have a womb. Just having a womb, we need our power it to be in the womb. And this is the whole, this is how distorted the world is, because the world is absolutely focused around women having no power and their power being taken from them. I just <laughs> It's so metaphorical. As I'm saying that, the power of my phone, I'm down in the bath and down in the lower bathroom, there's no plug, and the phone is literally losing power. So <laughs> it, this might not save this. So to save the recording, I'm going to put it on pause. I'm going to start again afterwards, but I'm going to quickly get out the bath and plug it in. Um, 
so to be continued. So later that morning upstairs, <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to continue this thread to the end of it. Um, what I felt when I came away and went and showered off my salty bicarbonate of soda, essential oil, bath water, I, I was feeling into like where, where we give away our power and how we give it away. And you know, I recognise this equation when I was younger um, that it doesn't matter whether we are giving it away or whether somebody's stealing it. It doesn't matter in a sense what the dynamic is, the important thing from our sovereignty, from our point of view, from our holistic perspective, when we're fully sovereign, we recognise that we either have enough energy to give in that moment or we don't, and we either choose and elect and decide and discern to give that energy or we're giving it against our will and a sovereign being won't give their energy against their will. They simply won't. They'll simply divert the energy somewhere else or be able to hold the energy and whatever it is that we're losing our energy and for women there are just almost infinite ways in which each of us has been trespassed and has had our has had our energy stolen from us and the the path back to being able to hold the energy yeah, it's a, it's a really intense one, but it's a really, like the reward is the energy returned. N not just our vitality, but our, our will becomes stronger, our physical structure becomes stronger, our emotions become stronger, um, more able to express themselves and more, uh, not refined, but more natural in how they express themselves. And the freedom of not needing external affirmation, not needing external authority to interfere, not needing um, mechanisation or paperwork to affirm what our, our identity is and what that we're doing something right, <laughs> that we have rights, um, that we or to help us navigate with the system as it were. Um, that really does all become superfluous when we're in our sovereignty, when we're in our power. I am in my power. And even though I've got these neuroses that continue to interrupt my sleep, niggle in my belly, um, make me hold my tongue and only talk to friends that I really, really, really super, super, super trust. You know, I'm in a dynamic process of letting go of those neuroses and allowing my power to flow into the world allowing it to flow into the world like I was talking about earlier you know I've tried all these different business ways and I've worked and worked at it and sweated and sweated at it and made loads of effort but now I know what it is what it really is to be witnessed what it really is to be seen I know that being seen in any other way, being witnessed in any other way or being projected onto in any other way isn't what I want and it isn't what I need and it isn't giving me energy, it's stealing from me. And, you know, even going through the process of recording this podcast, I am claiming my power, I'm feeling my power flow through me, the fact that I'm able to get a podcast out, that I'm able to talk through this myself into the void as it were not knowing who's going to hear it knowing that I'm going to share it with my very close friends but not knowing 
um, that too, like that is the feminine. The feminine is the mystery. It is the not knowing. It is trusting into the infinite oneness, the infinite void. It's trusting to a point where we don't have contraction in the world. We don't have controversy or participate in systems that we know are stealing others' energy. We simply stand in truth and what we need comes to us. The energy comes to us. The light comes to us. The electricity current comes to us. The friendship and support comes to us. We, we all must have experience of how somebody's just popped up suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, even someone that we haven't seen in a long time, but they pop up just when we need them, when we sort of have this, not necessarily a spoken prayer, but a thought feeling, uh, a felt feeling, a knowingness of our need, our need expressing itself within our conscious and our body and our mind, and then being reciprocated, being responded to by the universe and somebody popping up that we just needed to speak to, or we needed a hug from, or um, bringing us food when we weren't even thinking about food, but we did need food. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an amazing uh, synchrony when we're, the more we come into our power, the more that becomes normal. That's not, not something that just pops up once a year or once in a lifetime. Um, that is the norm of, that is how, we work, that's how we collaborate in the world, it's how we co-create. So, yeah, just here's celebration of that, like, let's celebrate this, let's share more with each other, like, let's reach out to each other and share our creative force, share our vitality and build energy together. Um, yeah, I've been frustrated a lot of years that, that, It should, be, it should be more obvious to everyone that if you give energy and work together in a particular way where you're open-mindedly, open-spiritedly, open-heartedly, rootedly seeking to raise the energy, like to build the energy, to make more energy, every dialogue we have, every relationship we have, every interaction we have, I've often been really frustrated about that, but I know that it has its time, you know, the the collective conscious has been through the great contractions, it's been through the great torture and the great suffering, and now we are coming out into the light, now we are coming out into the light, now we're recognising what underlies all things, what flows under all things, now we're recognising that the what's called laws, the legal language and speech, isn't designed for our safety, security, well-being and richness we we all are seeing that the it is being unveiled that business is not designed to help us flourish and we're recognizing that we're really cognizing that there is abundance around us it's not <laughs> there isn't scarcity apart from in yeah maybe very densely heavily populated areas but that's really just a lack of imagination on the part of the designer that this, the very urban areas in the world and overly populated areas in the world absolutely were not designed for people to live abundantly. They were designed for people to be in poverty and be terribly, terribly controlled and to have their life force sapped out of them in the 
form of sweat equity in the form of money to be taxed and have money stolen from them for all these stupid gadgets and and crappy food and cheap products that were getting channeled into these heavily populated areas through shops and catalogues and internet and so on and Amazon. Um, so even there, the potential of vertical services surfaces to grow food, the potential of communities to raise energy and raise funds and raise resources together is just infinite. There is no limitation. The limitation is only the imagination of the designer and the co-creator. So it doesn't matter who's stealing our energy. What matters is that we are in a condition that we allow it to be stolen. And this is never more prevalent than in, never more tangible than when we're in gestation in the incredible sensitivity and sentience of having spirit rise up through and drop down into the physical world. Um, you know, if we're in the quiet, in solitude, in held by wise elders and wise friends and sensitive lovers, if we're held by family instead of, I don't even want to try and describe what the alternative to that is. If we're held and if we're safe and if we know that we're safe and we build from that, we build in that, even in a very toxic world, even in a very dystopian world, we absolutely can grow the miraculous through us, can grow a miraculous life, a miraculous queendom and Gaia Sophia and the cosmos will be there at our backs, the wind in our sails, the ground under our feet, the, the humus that's creating our food. There, there will be no separation and there will be no wrestling with nature for it. There's no controversy. We are simply we simply are. So on that, I will end this podcast and welcome you to support my work. I always appreciate gift and messages and dialogues of all kinds. <clears throat> Very open to co-creating and co-mentoring um, with you. We run, I have a friend who's taken over the running of the co-creation sessions every week. Um, we're having a holiday this week, um, even though this is not, <laughs> this most certainly will not be going out into the public this week. Um, but again, you know, I'm working through these issues of, of not having belief in my own, the power of my own voice to give immunity to attack around this kind of a subject. And I will at some point, at the right point, when I suddenly know myself to be safe and know myself to be all powerful and know myself to be protected from the psychosis around me, at that point I will be visible and I will be comfortable sharing. But yeah, in the meantime, this is just for me and my couple, maximum five very close friends, um, delving deeper into this, what this is, what this is, this 
gestating what it is, this feminine power, what it is, the universe coming through us, creating life itself, what, what it is informing me and how unique all of our paths are. Mm. So if you'd like to support my work, please go to clairegaiasophia.com. Um, I'm very tentatively tiptoeing into Instagram. I'm there on Claire Gaia Sophia. And I'm also on the hive.blog as at Claire Artista. Um, Chiochula, the at sign, Claire Artista. And Claire is always spelt without an I. Um, the Irish spelling, C-L-A-R-E. Love your gifts. I love your words. I love the exchange. I love communicating over on Signal app, which is what I use mostly to communicate with folk. Um, yeah, that's it. I love receiving your gifts. Love having support around what I'm sharing. Um, and I look forward to the conversation expanding. Love, love, love. Ciao.